as a visual aid for uh, the gospel baton, and the, it's, it's an easy metaphor to get. Paul speaks about it in this letter that we've been studying, the second letter to his protege, Timothy, when he's instructed Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2 to pass along what he's learned about the gospel to other reliable people who will then be able to pass it along to others as well. And so it's my goal today to pass this to you in such a way that you get a firm grip of the gospel and be able to run with it, to be able to live it, to be able to understand it and communicate it. That is my goal for today. And so in one way, it should be an easy message. In another way, it's a little bit of a more difficult message because it's familiar. And so even as I start talking, I don't know whether I'm gonna go short or long because it's so familiar. And at first I thought, I'm gonna read this to you so that I can stay within the time frame and not just go on and on and on. But I thought, you know, I'm going to model what I want you to get a hold of to be able to let it become a part of you and let it flow. And if you gotta watch the clock, watch the clock and, and be able to talk about this thing that we call the gospel, that we gotta get a firm grip of the gospel. I'm gonna start with a question that helps us lead into um, feeling like why this is so important. So the question reads, how do you get a firm grip on good news in a bad news world? How do you get a firm grip, if I'm gonna pass along the gospel, which is the uh, simple translation of the gospel, is the good news. If I'm passing along good news to you, how do you get a firm grip on this thing when you are experiencing the middle of a bad news world? All kinds of horrible things, like perhaps your past secret life has now become known and it's ripping apart you and your relationships. How do you get a hold of good news when that has happened? Or perhaps uh, you are really struggling because of inflation or because of job loss and your income is a lot less than your outgo and every day is a struggle and it just consistently you're behind and you're struggling with that heavy bad news. How do you get a hold a firm grip on good news in your life? Or perhaps you've fallen into the black hole of anxiety or the black hole of depression and you're, you feel yourself slipping deeper and deeper into it and you're not sure at all how to come out of this place. How do you get a hold of the firm grip of good news in your life when you have slipped into that? Or you just receive some horrible news and you're grieving and the next day is not much better, and the next day is not much better. How do you get a hold of good news when you're grieving over bad news? Or something as simple as every day is just this really tough daily grind, and it is unbearable day upon day upon day. So unbearable that when people talk about spiritual things, like I'm about to talk to you today, the grind just sort of cancels us out, and it feels like spiritual things don't even feel real. And you've had difficulty even getting yourself to pray because it just feels so not real to you. 
How do you get a hold of good news in the middle of our bad news world? That is how I'm going to set us up to get a hold of the true good news that addresses all of the places that we live. They're so hard in this bad news world. Now, I've set myself up for trying to deliver something pretty awesome and pretty big, and I'm hoping that I've set you up to want to hear more. Anybody want to hear more? Yes. Okay. So we're going to be talking about the most important thing, the central thing that the whole world is all about, the good news of Jesus Christ today. So how do we get a firm grip on what Paul calls the euangelion, the gospel, the good news, okay? So, point number one, get a firm grip on the living Jesus. Get a firm grip on the living Jesus. So we're jumping back into this letter that he's written to his protege Timothy, a young preacher in Ephesus, and he writes in chapter two, verse eight. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel. This is the good news. This is the thing you got to hold on to. And so the living Jesus is the good news of the gospel. Now, you do need to remember that he's not just Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. He's also the descendant of David, so he's fully God, fully man, who came to do something magnificent. We're gonna talk about that in a moment. But this is the gospel. So we've defined gospel as good news, but it's good news that is much more specific than any old good news. Because we will go for any old good news, and most of us are choosing the good news we think they'll make us happier in the moment, and a lot of it leaves a bad taste in your mouth some time later. It tasted good at first, and then it's starting to wreck its havoc. We're gonna talk about a more specific good news about the living Jesus and how that affects everything about our lives. We're gonna jump down to verse 14 in chapter two. Keep reminding God's people of these things. So here I am to remind us of these things, the most important things that we could talk about because without such reminders, we will get lost in this bad news world and we need these reminders. Now it's interesting that in the context, right after saying that, he says, warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. So what he's saying is keep the main thing the main thing. Make sure that at your church the main thing is always the main thing because here's the tendency of all church people over time. The main thing no longer is the main thing and we start arguing about the other things and the other things that are less important than the core thing. And we start arguing about all of that and then the gospel gets diluted and the purpose of the church gets lost. The purpose of the church is for me to give you a firm grip of the gospel so firm that you not only understand it, you're able to communicate it and you're living it in such a way that people around you receive good news from you when they're with you. 
And if we don't keep that our focus, then we've lost the great commission of Jesus when he commissions our church to be a people who makes disciples, teaching the gospel, teaching people to get a hold of the gospel, and equipping them to share the gospel with others. Then church who should be a saving uh, rescue ship ends up becoming something else as we get more about gathering information and knowing more about all the other stuff and arguing about this stuff and this stuff and those guys are wrong about that and those guys are wrong about this and we got it right because we know all this and we're totally forgetting that we're all about the gospel. So that's what we're about and we need to get a hold of this in a life transformative way. Point number two, get a firm grip on the gospel. Does this sound like we're gonna talk about the gospel today? (laughs) All right, so in verse 15, we read, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. I was under the assumption all my life until this week that this verse is about handling the Bible correctly and becoming an approved worker in the gospel that you know how to interpret the Bible correctly. And that is not what this is talking about, although that is true. We need to handle the Bible correctly, interpret the Bible correctly, but in this context, it becomes very clear that Paul is talking about the more specific truth of the gospel itself. That's the context. And then we get all sidetracked in all these other issues, and we need to handle this word of truth correctly. Now, just in case you disagree with me, I'm going to give you some ammo so that you understand where I'm coming from. And you can feel free to continue to disagree and think it's all about interpreting the whole Bible correctly. Good for you, because if you do, you'll interpret the gospel correctly too. But I don't think that's what Paul is talking about. Here's why. I've already mentioned the context. If you read the context here, and I've skipped a lot of verses, he spends a lot of time about the arguments that are taking place in the church that are just derailing the gospel. Okay? Take a look at that. But then we have an amazing clue in two other places in Paul's writings where he uses the same phrase, the word of truth, and he then explains what he means by the word of truth. Here we go. In one Ephesians 1.13, he says, In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you so heard the I word of truth. There's our key phrase that we're supposed to handle the word of truth correctly. And then he defines what the word of truth is. The gospel. The word of truth isn't everything about the Bible. The word of truth isn't the Bible that we hold up, although it is also the word of truth. But in context, the way Paul is using this phrase, he's always referring to the narrower, more specific truth about Jesus and the gospel and how people are saved. And we need to get a hold of that in our lives to be very well versed in that in our lives. Here's another one. Colossians 1.5. Because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, you have already heard about the hope in the word of truth. Again, he explains what he means, the gospel. Okay? So he's not saying the word of truth. Come on, let's go now. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You know, we got to get all this right. No, it's not understanding all the body of truth, which is really, really big, which is all God's word. I'm not disagreeing with any of that. We need to be the people who make the main thing the main thing, and that the church makes the main thing the main thing. It's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
How do you get a hold of good That's news what Paul is trying to say or to Timothy. Uh, you now, are really struggling because said of that, inflation or because of job loss and your this income is, dangerous. is a lot less than your outgo. I'm going to try to just communicate the gospel. Consistently okay. behind and you're what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ, who is the or Son of God, came from heaven to earth. He did this so that he could become the new Adam. The first Adam was a human, and the first pair of humans blew it, and from that moment on, there was a problem on the entire globe. Jesus came as the second Adam, so he voluntarily came from heaven to earth to lay aside all of his glory as fully God and operate in a ministry as Adam could. Only Jesus would succeed where Adam failed, where Adam brought us into a new moral level which was sinner instead of innocent. David Jesus was going to bring us from sinner into forgiven in a new humanity that will grow into the likeness of the new humanity that's like Jesus. So, what is the gospel? Five questions. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of Man. He is fully God, fully man, while he was in his ministry on earth. He came to save us, and he is the Christ, which is the Greek translation of the word Messiah, which is the king who is going to deliver us and set us into his kingdom forever. That's who Jesus is. What did he do? What Jesus did was he lived a perfect life where Adam failed to live a perfect life. And God, the Father, authenticated Jesus' life with power through the Holy Spirit, just like we can experience power through the Holy Spirit if we unite with Jesus. Not a unique way of living, but a way that he was going to give us. Every miracle Jesus did, he did as a human. Sometimes we think every miracle he did, he did as God. No, he always submitted to God as Father, asked God what he wanted him to do, and then trusted God to do it through him. So God authenticated Jesus through power and teaching and truth and miracles and signs and wonders. And Jesus would proclaim truths like his divinity and unique union with the Father, unlike any other human being has a union with the Father. Two, because he is not just the son of man, he is also Jesus the son Christ, of God. Uniquely one with the Father. Descended from David. And in his this ministry, because he didn't gospel. bring the kingdom like all of the prophecies laid news. it out this in such a way that the people gospel. expected the kingdom now so the with an overpowering, conquering the Messiah now, to eliminate that the Jesus nations the that stand Messiah, against Israel. Instead of he's doing that, he establishes a kingdom so that is global, and he came to establish that kingdom in spirit and in truth. 
Okay? But this is and as he's done that, so defined it didn't happen the way they expected. But it's good so news that is much add to the unexpected his audacious claims. I am the Father are one. I am the bread of life. Are you thirsty? I am the water of life. All of these kinds of statements caused the religious leaders of Jesus' day to accuse Jesus of evil when he did nothing but good. Everything he did was good. Everything. Nothing he did was evil. But he had audacious claims, gutsy claims, that nobody else would dare claim, but Jesus did because it was truth that he was the Son of God, as well as the Son of Man. So they declared him evil, although he was good, and they condemned him, and they crucified him. And we need these reminders. What did he do? He did this voluntarily. Right after it was not that, a surprise. He, says, he came to do God this so that he could save us. It is no he came to die on a cross so that we could have sins. our sins so forgiven by his actions and his righteousness. Make so sure keep in mind that what did he do? He did this saving work through his life and through his death and through his resurrection. So he was raised from the dead and then the gospel gets diluted just as he predicted the purpose of the church gets and the scriptures prophesied. The purpose of the church is for me to give you a So this becomes his so vindication when all fingers are pointing at him as this is audacious, this is blasphemy, this is wrong. But to prove him right, God the Father raises him from the dead. This is the gospel. This is my Lord Jesus Christ. This is the man who came to do this thing. There's a response that is expected from the gospel good news. The response that is expected is, in a sense, the invitation is out there. Jesus says, follow me to whoever will. You want to be my disciple? If you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Well, we, get, we just watched what happened at the cross. Point number two. He was crucified. On the gospel. Does it sound like he was buried. Gospel today? And he was raised. All right, so Jesus came 15, to literally make that a possibility for us as we unite with God him. As one approved, he established what we now call the new covenant. Why? Because Jesus called it the new covenant. The whole Bible was about covenant. Covenants are promises. Promises that will be fulfilled. The Bible promises that we keep before God and that God keeps with us as we enter into union with God. We have a modern day covenant we call marriage. Two people make promises to each other, to an unknown future, to the two become one. Jesus came to make that possible for us. He came to be our savior if we would let him be our savior. If you want to enter into covenant with Jesus, he makes it real clear how to do it. You go through a covenant ceremony. 
And he taught us about it and told the disciples what to do. Go and teach people that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth and go make disciples of them, teaching them and baptizing them. There's that covenant ceremony. Baptism, if you've not witnessed one, is where you enter into water and are buried in the water and then you're raised out of the water just as Jesus was crucified, buried in a tomb, and raised from the dead. What is taking place is our covenant commitment and union with Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. That's what takes place when we are baptized. That's why around here we say, I'm all in. When we say yes to Jesus, you're not holding anything back. You may not be able to commit perfectly, but you're holding nothing back. Which means a yes to Jesus means a no to everything else that's not of Jesus. Sometimes we forget that. We want to say, yes, Jesus, add salvation to my life. Yes, Jesus, I want to be forgiven and go to heaven. And then we say, no, Jesus, every day, I want to do this. Not that. And Jesus says, no, wait a minute, we're, we're united. Jesus Your old and ways the gospel are dead. and how people are saved. I've resurrected you into a new life that's completely different than your old life. I made your dead heart, which was stone, removed it and place within you a new heart and place my spirit within you. And the spirit that resurrected me from the dead is the same resurrection power that now raises you into a newness of life. You were spiritually dead before. But now you've been regenerated into new life through the power of the spirit. And through the power of the spirit now, you're able to say yes to me and want what I want. These days, I'm praying prayers like this. Give us this day. Thing, the main thing, our and daily the bread. Makes the main thing, the main and thing, I'm not just talking about, about the needs for my body. Christ. I'm talking about fill me with life. Daily bread for now, my spirit. Having fill said that, my spirit to overflowing so that my new life is overflowing with your I'm life and goodness. Giving direction to my soul, which is my mind, is my will, and my emotions. Fill my mind with thoughts that are more like your thoughts and wanting more of your thoughts governing my life. Fill my will, my desires with your desires, less of my desires, more of your desires, and fill my heart was a human my emotions and the first with your humans, emotions about circumstances what you feel on, about these situations fill me with your spirit to overflowing so that Adam. my life can be good so news to my family and to those friends i have and those people around me fill me lord as help God, me and i need you in a Give me this day Adam could. my daily bread. Only Jesus would succeed. This is failed. the response that is expected. We say yes level, to Jesus. Sinner, What's the result? I've just kind of described Jesus it for you a little bit in my own words. Into Here's the thing about in a new humanity, the result. That will grow into when the Jesus voluntarily gave up his life on the cross, like Jesus. here's what happened. So, what just like John the Baptist said it would happen. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He became the Passover Lamb for us. Every Jew understood the Passover. And when Jesus hung on the cross on Passover, 
When everybody else is sacrificing a lamb to remember how they became a nation of God because of his saving event through Passover, now the fulfillment of the Passover lamb illustration is hanging on a cross, Jesus himself. And as Jesus himself is hanging on the cross, he's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He signed up for this. And at the end of and this hanging God, misery, he shouts a victory cry, Telestai, with power which is translated Spirit. in English, it Just is like finished. He came to do it. Not a unique way he did of it. Living, but a way that Mission he accomplished. The interesting thing about Every that word that Jesus did, he did is that that word can also be rightly translated, paid in full. He always submitted to God as Father. Every one of us has a debt of sin against our Creator. A life of sin. Let me define my terms. Sin. There's many ways to define sin. Sin is the condition of our heart where we literally rebel against God with some consistency, doing the thing we want instead of the thing we know is right. That's not hard to understand. We will lean towards doing the thing that we want instead of the thing that we know is right. That's why Jesus teaches us in the model prayer the Pray, kingdom now, your kingdom come, over your will be done, because we tend to live to my kingdom, the my will. Stand this is what Israel. I want. I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge of my life. I want to do it my way. I want to do what I feel will make me happy and fulfilled. This is sin. Okay. And as he's done that, we do what we want instead of what we know. So. Is right. Add to the unexpected. Do you know it's really interesting that every single culture and every single country and every single subculture has built within its culture a sense of what is right and wrong, and they will try to legislate it. There is not a culture that has ever been that doesn't have within it a feeling of what ought to be done and what ought not to be done. This first time I ran into this was C.S. Lewis. But Jesus did it's like, because oh it was true. my, this comes from God Himself. Now cultures don't agree with the definitions so of what's right and wrong. And subcultures don't agree with what's right and what's wrong. But God has placed within us this very notion that there is a right that we should live, and not a wrong. And we all have a sense of I ought to, and I ought not to, and we live with this inside of us. And here's the other truth that is undeniable, and if you're honest, you'll agree with me, none of us can live up to what we think is right. We keep doing things that we know is wrong when we want to, and that, so he was deserves raised from the dead. Judgment. That's why Jesus had to pay and the scriptures for our debt. Paid in full. So this becomes There's a debt against our creator that we've created every time we damage his goods. 
This is audacious. Like if you, this is blasphemy. Or a little kid, this you break a TV wrong. in the house, but to prove him that right, TV has to be God replaced. Father but a good father him. knows that a little four-year-old doesn't have the means to replace it, so he gospel. makes arrangements and forgives. But forgiveness costs. Otherwise, without the cost, everything is out of kilter. It puts things back together. God put things back together by sending his son Jesus to pay a price that none of us could pay. What is the result? Here's the result. If you believe in Jesus and say yes to Jesus, here's what we experience. We get a pass. We get a Passover. We get a Passover of the final judgment. Why? The final judgment took place in Jesus for those who will receive it in union with Jesus. But if you don't receive it in union with Jesus, the final judgment is something you will still face without Jesus. Why? You'll face the judgment for your sin by yourself for yourself without Jesus. And here's what Jesus and all of the New Testament and all of the apostles teach about a rejection of Jesus. It's eternal. We have a modern day covenant we call marriage. Two people make promises to each other to an unknown future. To That's what the final judgment determines. Jesus came to make that possible for us. And God says, be our everybody has a choice. If we would let him be our savior. All of you, you can freely choose. With Jesus, I'm not making anybody do this. Do you go you can choose to believe in and accept Jesus and what he's done for you, go and teach paying for your penalty. That all authority has been given to or, in heaven and on earth, you can choose to make not them, want that. Teaching them and baptizing if you don't want that, that he doesn't make you. You Baptism, get what you want. If you've not witnessed one, you don't get a pass. You enter into You'll water face the final judgment buried because God is God. And, then you're and this time Jesus the is the one Just that judges. He came in his first coming in humility as a servant. And raised from the in dead. In the second coming, what is he's going to judge is our covenant commitment and union with Jesus and what based on what you did on the cross. Okay? With him. That's what takes place when we are baptized. That's why around here Do you we want say, to face I'm eternity? In. When we say yes with to Jesus, Jesus, you're not or without Jesus. Back. You may not be able to Whatever commit perfectly, the choice is, but you're holding nothing back. Has eternity. Which means a yes to Jesus means a no to everything else that's not the good news is salvation is possible. We want to say, yes, Jesus, add salvation to And it's not about life. later. Yes, Jesus, I want to be it's forgiven and go now. to heaven. And then we say, no, Jesus, every day. We can receive the Spirit and enjoy the goodness not that. of life now. And Jesus says, no, wait a minute, we're, we're united. Your old ways that was point number two. <laughs> I've resurrected you into a new life that's completely point number three. different. Then your old Get a firm grip on living I made your dead it. Get a firm heart grip on living stone, it. Verse 19. The Lord knows those who are his. You a new heart and, place my and everyone who confesses you. the name of the Lord must and turn the away from wickedness. And resurrected me from the dead is the same resurrection power that now raises Verse you into a newness of life. You are those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. the Spirit now, you're able to say yes to me and want what I How want. do you get a firm grip on a good news and a bad news world? I have a feeling 
And it's my belief that this is tested every day. You have to choose to lean into the good news or receive and live in the bad news. And we have a choice every day. I want to illustrate this kind of vaguely because even just this past week, really powerfully as I'm preparing this message, I, uh, it's like the black hole opened up in my world. And my whole outlook, my whole attitude was slipping into the black hole. And I was slipping into the black hole. My whole attitude and outlook was, was slipping further into discouragement, further into disillusion, further into a darkness, further into the spiral that's like, I can see it's going to get bad real fast. But here's what I know, that God always provides another opening. I'll call it the heavenly portal. And you have to choose between sinking into the black hole further or choosing the heavenly portal. Every day you have this option. There's many ways to enter into the heavenly portal. I've sort of described some of the ways a little bit to you already. But let me just give you a verse that will kind of put it together for us. It's in Hebrews 4.16 that reads, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews is a tough book to get a hold of. It helps to have a, a real strong understanding of the Old Testament to get Hebrews understood. And it's clearly staying how, stating, stating how Jesus is the fulfillment of the whole Old Testament temple system and priesthood system that he is not only king he is priest and he's opened up access to the real temple which is heaven itself and he's opened up a way for us through him to access the throne room of grace right now that we literally can walk into the throne of grace which the Jewish nation couldn't even walk into the holy of holy place but we can and we can access the help we need and the grace we need in our time of need so that's what I did as I was slipping into the black hole I just went to prayer and my go to prayer is the Lord's model prayer Matthew chapter 6 find it our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name Find it, memorize it, and use it not as a memorized prayer, but as an outline. And as I work through the outline in free form, like I do every morning, and just let my heart open up, he just pours right through that heavenly portal. And in a matter of minutes, black hole darkness can flip to a goodness and a joy and a rejoicing, and there's hope in life. I've experienced that so many times that prayer is more than real to me. There's many ways to define More than real. Sin is the condition of our heart. God is where real. We literally this life is full of good God news. With some we gotta choose which good news we're gonna live. We Until you learn how to live it, we know is right. somebody hand this to you and you're just kind of twiddling with it. Okay? We will twiddling with the good news, you don't have a firm grip. And you're not gonna be able to pass it on to anybody else because you don't really even have it for you. You're just playing in the black hole every day and just not even sure it's real. Don't twiddle. Your will get a firm grip we tend to live of this kingdom. by living it. My will so I'll leave with I want. this last quote. I want to be in charge. Your I want to be in charge of my life. Is I not firm on way. the good news until you're living it. Feel will make me happy and fulfilled. When your ongoing is experience is really good news, 
sharing it in a compelling way is not difficult. Every one of us will share good news when we truly are excited about it. Every single culture and every single country and every single Father God, we're so grateful for loving us, seeing right through us, giving us what we needed, even though we didn't know it. Thank you for giving us a complete good news package that's so very, very good that fills us up to overflowing, that we can live a life that's completely different than most people are experiencing. Help us to be bold, to live it and love it and share it. With the definitions and help of what's people right to love this good news too. What's right it's in what's Jesus' wrong, name that we but pray. God has placed within us this very now, if you want to get a good grip, Start Here is a good right thing to do. Walk across the hallway, sign up for Start Here. It's wrong. next week. Okay? Um, if you need prayer, go to the prayer team that's right in the alcove on the left side of the stage. God bless you. Next week we're talking about be courageous. And we need to be courageous. God bless you. See you next week. up to what we think is right. We keep doing things that we know is wrong when we want to. And that deserves judgment. That's why Jesus had to pay for our debt, pay it in full. There's a debt against our creator that we've created every time we damage his goods. It's like if you or a little kid, and you break a TV in the house, that TV has to be replaced. But a good father knows that a little four-year-old doesn't have the means to replace it, so he makes arrangements and forgives. But forgiveness costs. Otherwise, without the cost, everything is out of kilter. It puts things back together. God put things back together by sending his son Jesus to pay a price that none of us could pay. What is the result? (laughs) Here's the result. If you believe in Jesus and say yes to Jesus, here's what we experience. We get a pass. We get a Passover. We get a Passover of the final judgment. Why? The final judgment took place in Jesus for those who will receive it in union with Jesus. But if you don't receive it in union with Jesus, the final judgment is something you will still face without Jesus. You'll face the judgment for your sin by yourself, for yourself, without Jesus. And here's what Jesus and all of the New Testament and all of the apostles teach about a rejection of Jesus. It's eternal. That's what the final judgment determines. And God says, everybody has a choice. All of you can freely choose. I'm not making anybody do this. You can choose to believe in and accept Jesus and what he's done for you, paying for your penalty. Or you can choose to not want that. If you don't want that, He doesn't make you. You get what you want. You don't get a pass. You'll face the final judgment. 
because God is God. And this time, Jesus is the one that judges. He came in his first coming in humility as a servant. In his second coming, he's going to judge based on what you did with him. Do you want to face eternity with Jesus or without Jesus? Whatever the choice is, has eternity with it. That's the gospel. The good news is salvation is possible. And it's not about later. It's about now. We can receive the Spirit and enjoy the goodness of life now. That was point number two. (laughs) Point number three. Get a firm grip on living it. Get a firm grip on living it. Verse 19. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Verse 21. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. How do you get a firm grip on a good news and a bad news world? I have a feeling, and it's my belief, that this is tested every day. You have to choose to lean into the good news or receive and live in the bad news. And we have a choice every day. I want to illustrate this kind of vaguely because even just this past week, really powerfully as I'm preparing this message, I, uh, it's like the black hole opened up in my world. And my whole outlook, my whole attitude was slipping into the black hole. And I was slipping into the black hole. My whole attitude and outlook was was slipping further into discouragement, further into disillusionment, further into a darkness, further into the spiral that's like, I can see it's going to get bad real fast. But here's what I know, that God always provides another opening. I'll call it the heavenly portal. And you have to choose between sinking into the black hole further or choosing the heavenly portal. Every day you have this option. There's many ways to enter into the heavenly portal. I've sort of described some of the ways a little bit to you already. But let me just give you a verse that will kind of put it together for us. It's in Hebrews 4.16 that reads, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews is a tough book to get a hold of. It helps to have a a real strong understanding of the Old Testament to to get Hebrews understood. And it's clearly stating how Jesus is the fulfillment of the whole Old Testament temple system and priesthood system, that he is not only king, he is priest. And he's opened up access to the real temple, which is heaven itself, and he's opened up a way for us through him, to access the throne room of grace right now. That we literally can walk into the throne room of grace, which the Jewish nation couldn't even walk into the holy of holy place. But we can. And we can access the help we need and the grace we need in our time of need. 
So that's what I did. As I was slipping into the black hole, I just went to prayer. And my go-to prayer is the Lord's model prayer. Matthew chapter 6, find it. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Find it, memorize it, and use it not as a memorized prayer, but as an outline. And as I'd work through the outline in free form, like I do every morning, and just let my heart open up, he just pours right through that heavenly portal. And in a matter of minutes, black hole darkness can flip to a goodness and a joy and a rejoicing, and there's hope in life. I've experienced that so many times that prayer is more than real to me. More than real. Jesus is real. God is real. This life is full of good news. We gotta choose which good news we're gonna live. Until you learn how to live it, somebody handed this to you and you're just kind of twiddling with it, okay? Twiddling with the good news, you don't have a firm grip and you're not gonna be able to pass it on to anybody else because you don't really even have it for you. You're just playing in the black hole every day and just not even sure it's real. Don't twiddle. Get a firm grip of this by living it. So I'll leave with this last quote. Your grip is not firm on the good news until you're living it. When your ongoing experience is really good news, sharing it in a compelling way is not difficult. Every one of us will share good news when we truly are excited about it. We're over time. Father God, we're so grateful for loving us, seeing right through us, giving us what we needed, even though we didn't know it. Thank you for giving us a complete good news package that's so very, very good that fills us up to overflowing, that we can live a life that's completely different than most people are experiencing. Help us to be bold, to live it and love it and share it, and help people to love this good news too. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, if you want to get a good grip, Start Here is a good thing to do. Walk across the hallway, sign up for Start Here. It's next week, okay? Um, if you need prayer, go to the prayer team that's right in the alcove on the left side of the stage. God bless you. Next week, we're talking about be courageous, and we need to be courageous. God bless you. See you next week.